Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Psalms 103, the first verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Say it with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Praise God. We're going to open with prayer. Father, we're gathered together. You're in our midst. We want you to be glorified. Lord, we lift up those that we've been praying for all week. We lift up those that are in complete disarray, complete sadness in Hawaii. Lord, you did something. You allowed something to happen over there. We don't know what it is, but we know that there are people that are hurting, Lord. And God, we, we know this uh, from our own experiences that have been through fires, God. Lord, we lift up our loved ones that aren't here. We lift up Pastor and Pastor's father and the situation down in Southern California. For each one of us that have loved ones that are ill, that have needs, that don't feel like anyone thinks or cares about them, we lift them all up. We ask you now, Lord, to be with us today as we worship you, and as I bring a word, and God, we're just thankful for you. We're so thankful. We ask this and look for this, and we expect it, Lord, so we're thanking you in Jesus' name. So the first scripture that's going to come up is Ecclesiastes 7.10. Okay. Do not ask or do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Now that's almost a reprimand because God can handle the tough questions. He does that with us constantly. But in this instance, he's saying, this is classified. It's above your ability to comprehend. But in, intuitively, we all know inside of us that there's an answer and an explanation for it. That's why you bring it up. Why were things better before? But the truth is, man's curiosity oftentimes leads him down uh, a, a blind alley, a rabbit trail. But it's nature for us. And how many of us, when we're driving and there's a car accident, we slow down and we look. It's, it's human nature to want to know things. That's just the way we are. Now, I can tell you that the... Uh, the curiosities that we have, in reality, end up sometimes in discoveries that God will give us to help us out, things of that nature. But most of the time, we're romanticizing, in this instance, over the good old days. 
But the truth is, is a lot of us never lived in the good old days, and those that did tell you life was rather harsh. So seriously, how much of us are better off than our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents? Think about what life might have been for them. So oftentimes I think just in the advances of science, medicine, forensics, and things of that nature, I'm just going to give you one example. How many times do you now read an incidence in which some guy who's in prison for 20 years, they did a DNA check and they found out guy didn't do it. I can tell you from my own personal experiences that people who were convicted based on eyewitness accounts identifying a person, that's very unreliable. That's very unreliable. And a lot of times, because of the DNA, they find out this person didn't do it. I'm just talking about the advances that have occurred, and I would like to go back to the old days, maybe the 50s where I grew up, and, and relive the culture, relive the decency, but not necessarily the lack of air conditioning in a car. Okay, so well, my folks had a 52 Oldsmobile, no air conditioning, right? And, and of course back then they both smoked. So can you imagine what it's like little kids growing up and like that? We don't, there are things that we have today that we take for granted, things like this, that <laughs> my understanding was is when, uh, when a lot of people got phones, they got party lines and you couldn't even get on whenever you wanted to because somebody would be yakking. And uh, anyway, I, I, who seriously doesn't think that God has blessed modern man so extensively, but that other things have put a taint on it? Just think about medicine. Think about MRIs. Think about the things that they're doing with diagnostics in those areas. And where before, people would undergo exploratory surgeries and things like that, which we don't have to do that a lot of times nowadays. It, we're just so blessed. Okay, the next scripture is um, 724. As for that which is far off and exceedingly deep, who can find it out? This comes on the tail of 23. And this is Solomon saying, All this I have proved by wisdom. I said, quote, I will be wise, unquote. But it was far from me. This is a confirmation that when you say your intention to know and to learn and to absorb and to be able to recall, some things aren't going to work. Now, how many times have we thought, I'm not going to leave that light switch on. I'm going to make sure it's off, especially the one with the fan in the bathroom. And so what happens? Because I can't hear. I can't see very well sometimes without glasses. Here comes Kathy. You left the, you left the fan on again. It sucks all the cold air out of the house. But more importantly, she's worried about fire starting. 
And, uh, and I understand that. But I had said I was going to be wise, but I wasn't. This isn't just small level. This is, this is day-to-day stuff. We talk about Solomon here. He was going to be and was, he said, this, the, the wisest man that ever lived. But the truth is there were things that he couldn't grasp even though he tried to. And the exercise of investigation, forensics, DNA, uh, they're still mostly mysteries. For instance, before we knew this, and it's doing it right now, we're all traveling 11,000 miles a minute. We're traveling. We don't know it, but we're on a, a planet that's traveling 11,000 miles a minute. The mysteries that we have that we won't necessarily find out and we can't necessarily find out have to do with people, individuals, like each one of us. The questions are, what about the intentions of someone? What about their motives? What about their beliefs? What about their positions? What about the positions they take on their relationships? And what about the attitudes they have about us? Most of us don't realize that we're stressing over what someone thinks of us when they don't think of you at all, all right? But this is a distraction that plagues, plagues us. But the, the mysteries, in my opinion, the, the, the big mysteries are how dependable are assessments about the people we interact with relative to pivotal, just very, very important issues. And a lot of times you won't know. A lot of times you won't know. And, and I'll tell you, it'll come as a shock and it also comes as a wake up. You're not that smart. I had a client, business owner. Kathy and I went to visit him. We knew him for years. Went to visit him and his wife in his house. This is after Obama was elected and the economy was tanking. And uh, we started talking about things and, oh man. We found out he had a completely different political leaning than we thought he had all that time. And so, and his son is a, a, a real close friend of us too. When his son found out about it, his son said, yeah, my dad's been this way all the time. And then, you know, they argue back and forth. The, the point is, is that uh, the scripture says, who, who can walk together? When can two walk together unless they agree? But you don't know. Do they agree? Do they see it my way? How dependable is that? There's one who walks with you, will not abandon you. The Bible says there's no shadow of turning from by the Lord. He is reliable. He's reliable. And so that's the, uh, that's the place and the point that we would like to have when we're with other folks. And I gotta say, this church 
has had a demonstration of faithful alignment for years. You can count on them. You count on the people who care for you. And the prayers that you've put forth for Kathy, I'm so thankful for. There, I'm going to share some more things about her, but I'm just thankful. I'm thankful to you folks for it. Okay, the next uh, scripture I have is 8.16. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, even though one sees no sleep day or night, then I saw all the work of God that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. For though a man labors to discover it, yet he will not find it. Moreover, though a wise man attempts to know it, he will not be able to find it. Again, this is Solomon saying, day and night, you can, you can look into things and you may never be able to find the answers. And what we're seeing today through the resources that we have is that we're seeing a deeper and deeper level of corruption at so many institutions. You know, starting with our government and with our systems of justice and with corporations that are producing uh, products, pharmaceuticals are a big one, but there are others as well. The corruption level goes so deep and the misinformation is so broad that you'll hear bits and pieces, but the media will prevent you from learning the truth. But nothing done in secret will be kept from being revealed. Sooner or later, God is going to show it. Okay? So the next, um, the next one that I, I've listed is Ecclesiastes 9.11. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. This, in my opinion, is complementary to the other verses in Ecclesiastes that cover a time for all things. Now, you might remember from the 60s, a group called The Birds released a song called Turn, Turn, Turn. And they actually sang each one of these uh, lines, a, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time, and all those things. And one of them was a time to get and a time to lose. And I looked at this um, and I, I began to think, boy, have I experienced a lot of that. So let me tell you an experience I had, but the ultimate result was a blessing and a glory from God. Back in 2008, we had, and you're all familiar with, even if you're a younger person, you're familiar with this. Back in 2008, we were on the 
end of a, a false and reckless economy. People could get a loan to buy a house on what they call stated income. You didn't have to bring in a paycheck. You didn't have to prove and verify your real income. You could be working flipping burgers and say you made 200 grand a year, and they were just, they don't care. Just signature loans hand you the money. Well, what did that do? Do you remember what that did to the real estate market? Yeah. Things were flying off the shelf. The prices were going up through the roof. And about 2006, 2007, at that time, Kathy and I lived out here in the country in a campo. And across from us, these people moved and um, some, some people bought it and they paid $660,000 for the house. It was about 2,000 square feet. Nice ranch style home and five acres of ground. And it's on Bryant Road, which is a dead-end road off of uh, Jayhant. And these people um, were younger people. At least the ones that I saw around there were younger people. And they wouldn't interact with the community. They, they kept, uh, they had a, uh, a chain link gate that they slide shut. And uh, they were there briefly and then gone. And they were there for about a year. You couldn't see what was going on. No cars coming and going, and on, you know, okay. So at that time, Kathy's working uh, at the office uh, half day. She'd work from nine until about noon. And then she'd go home on her own. And we had, uh, I had a young uh, secretary paralegal would come in in the afternoon to cover for her, because she had, worked herself to, I mean, that, Kathy was the legal secretary since she was 17. So she had earned her time to wind down. So anyway, she said she went home, and as she's going down the road, our house was on the end and on the right. She sees all these sheriff and DEA uh, people out, and they got their guns drawn, and they're battering the front door with a battering ram, and she pulls up, and some of them turned to her, so she, of course, raises her hands and that kind of thing, and then she told them, I, I go, I live here, and they eventually let her pass, but it, anyway, they ended up finding out that it was a grow house they had uh, the Chinese syndicate or wherever you want to call it, the ones that uh, were growing marijuana, were using it as a grow house. And, and it's amazing because as naive as we were, we kept, our, kept to ourselves and we didn't stick our nose in their business, but somebody dropped the dime on them. Somehow they did some research. And of course, no arrests. They, they never, you know, no, that, that kind of thing irritates me, but anyway. So what was really weird was is that the market still was, still was moving a little bit, but it had hesitated. You know, it always works that way when you're going to have a complete drop-off when you find out that there's a, a false economy. And I'll tell you, the 
Bernie Madoff thing with the derivatives and all that stuff changed everybody's outlook real quick because all of a sudden, if you want to get a new Ford, lots of luck because the dealership is gone. Want to get a new Chevy? Dealership is gone. This economy relies on credit. And when there's no credit, how many people in the past went in and bought brand new vehicles for cash? About 4%. Everybody finances everything. So when you, all of a sudden there's no credit. So after that happened, oh gosh, the bank took it over and I did some research and I thought, you know, what, what happened there? And there was ways of finding information out. It wasn't that hard. And I found out that a, a woman, uh, Asian woman in Southern California was the one that bought the place. And uh, she was a straw man, straw woman. And 660000 they paid for that place. I thought, oh my gosh, the market was already tanking everywhere. Foreclosures everywhere. So the bank came in ran a big disc all over everything. I mean the front yard, tore everything up because it was starting to cover with weeds and everything. And by the way, five acres is a big yard. You don't make any money on five acres. It's nothing but weeds and a pain. All right, so for those of you who want to get out in the country, forget it. So, so anyway, um, and it wasn't long before a for sale sign pops up. And I knew the company because I had dealt with uh, one of the people before in, in cases. So I call them and they're asking, um, the lady says they're asking 325000 And so, remember, that's half of what it had sold for just a couple of year, years ago. And the house was still in pretty good shape, at least on the outside. I didn't know what they had done on the inside. So I get a hold of him and I said, oh man, so I talked to Kathy and we pray about it. Now, Kathy is a very aggressive capitalist. And I have been beat over the head many times by missing opportunities. So we talked about it. Now, we didn't have much money. But I did have two lines of credit with two different banks. One for 200000 and one for 150000 And at that time, the interest rate was flat 5%. It's not that now for lines of credit, but back then it was a flat 5%. And, the, and they were in a hurry to drop the interest rates, the feds were, because they knew what was happening. I get a hold of this gal, and I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to pay your asking price of three twenty-five, And that's when... People like me had come out of the woodwork already, and she had 25 offers already. And I said, well, I can pay cash, and I can close in 20 days. And she says, well, a lot of other people can too, but she says, if you go 355000 I think you'll get it. So that's what we did. Now, why did I do that? Because I'm thinking in 2008, they'll settle this and by 2009, 2010, we can fix the place up, and it'll go right back up to 660. Uh-huh, okay? Well, you see this thing about wisdom we're talking about? 
it was far from me because the market didn't go up and the and the real estate pri prices troughed and stayed in a trough for what it seemed to be ever. So I finally had to get the thing rented out after I had gone in and found out that these people, thank God they didn't tear it up as much as they could have. But they took black plastic and they went all the way around and stapled it on the, stapled it on the walls and they had all these tables in there where they grew the marijuana. And thankfully, you know, we were able to get it fixed up and it was pretty decent. So anyway, we got it rented out and I we rented it like for four years. And it, I got to the point where, oh man, I had to replace air conditioners and I had to do one thing after another. And even I think a septic system I had to replace. So. In the meantime, I'm having to use after-tax dollars to pay down on my lines of credit. It, it was kind of scary, but yet, since Kathy and I had agreed, I didn't have to worry about her saying, you know, because, let me tell you folks, the whole idea of you stepping out and not telling your wife about something, bad idea, bad idea. Anyway. Eventually the market began to come, but this is 2015. So we're talking about, you know, seven years later, the market, you know, starts to inch up and come back. At that time, Kathy, who hadn't changed about, this is what you should do, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. And just like the last book of Proverbs, where it says, a a good wife findeth some property and buys it. Kathy had wanted a large piece of property up in the foothills. Now this is when we're going to Bethel and we knew we were going to be moving and this was before the Talamontezes were in our life and there was any such thing as River Rock. So we were playing, so she said, LaDon, I want you to go check out this property. It's about 300 acres. And I I said, yeah, and I have a real good friend uh, who's been a realtor up there forever. And she says, I want you to get a hold of Jim, Jim Martin, good guy. And uh, I want you to see the property. And I had other things to do. And, and it was 475000 And I thought, yeah, I looked at the thing and uh, the, the, they did a lousy job advertising it. So then it popped up again about five, six months later, it popped up again. And again, we don't have any money now. All I've got is a, uh, that house across the street and the, the price was, so it's 475, dropped down to 399. I thought, okay, we'll go take a look. So we got a hold of Jim and we drove up to Calaveras County. And that's fairly close in. And uh, I was very surprised Well, I found out we drive back up in there, and um, we meet the listing realtor. And the listing realtor um, is a, a gal who's dressed in stilettos and a uh, disco skirt. <laughs> and this was out in the wilderness. There's no, I couldn't believe it. There's no way she's going to be able to show us. 
And, and then the Lord's telling me, knock, knock, knock. See, see how I have a sense of humor. The Lord has a sense of humor. And so our realtor says, yeah, we'll tell you what, we're going to come back with our ATVs and we'll drive through there. Well, folks, we, we drove through this area. It's on, the, it's on the North Fork. The Calaveras River has its own bridge. And it was like we found out that this was in a trust out of uh, Orange County. The gentleman had passed away. They didn't even know what they had. All they wanted to do was get money out because there was a bunch of other assets in the estate. And they thought, well, this isn't worth it much. I couldn't believe it. As soon as Kathy and I saw this, uh, we stood there by that old bridge, and the Lord told Kathy, I saved this for you. Now, when God talks to Kathy, you can bank it. She will not tell you something that she just thinks. She's the real deal. And so anyway, we ended up getting it. And uh, we offered 360 and they, uh, 350 and they rejected it. And the Lord says, you just wait and let them chew on that for a little while. So we waited for about a week. Now that's not easy to do because you don't know whether there are people behind the scenes coming bidding too. So we came back with 360 and they took it. But we had to close and perform quick. Well. LaDonna and Kathy don't have a line of credit anymore because it's tied up in that house. So we had to sell that house quick. God brought us someone who was able to buy it at a what I thought was a real depressed. Because, see, I'm thinking if I'm going to be blessed, i got to have this number, right? Well, afterwards, the Lord told Kathy and I, you got your money out of it. And the upside to that, you didn't make a whole bunch more. The upside to that is it met your needs for this other place. And you didn't get hit with capital gains. And you didn't get hit with what they call recapture depreciation. See, when you have a rental and you start listing it on your income tax return, you start taking off depreciation. When you sell, unless you do a 1031, when you sell, you have to recapture all that depreciation and put it back on your income that you made that year. It's taxed as ordinary income. It's not taxed like capital gains, either 10 or 15 percent. So the Lord, the, the Lord showed us our notions or our ideals of success and blessings are not what you think they need to be. In the long run, not only were we super blessed, but we were able to accomplish that in a very important time slot because it's all about timing. And that's what happened to us. So I, I wanted to share with you those, um, that uh, example and Every time I have the opportunity, I tell people, God has helped me succeed. God has prospered me. God has given me blessings. When I have people come into the office and we go through cases and we have trial and uh, we're waiting for the judge to render a decision and we get it 
I remember one time I got one <laughs> in the office, and it's like a multi-page decision from the judge. I literally hopped like a rabbit thanking the Lord. And when the clients came in, I told them, thank God. This is not me, this is God. And I can tell you folks, there is nothing more dramatic and more taxing on you and wringing you out than if you've had a two-week jury trial and the jury goes out to deliberate and your client is wondering what's going on and worrying and telling you maybe I should have taken the offer to settle. And my words to them is the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. You can be brilliant. You can be powerful. But one of the days when the bell rings, you can get knocked out. And I went up against big law firms before and prevailed. And I told my clients when we're waiting for the jury to, to bring in the deliberation, that's what I tell them. That's what I'm telling them. Don't second guess yourself. They said uh, many times the best closing argument is in the elevator on the way to your to garage to get your car. You know, you always, I should have said this, I should have said that, you know, that kind of thing. But no, God's in control. He's the one that blesses you. He's the one that blesses those around you. He's the one that blesses your associates. I can't tell you how many times because of friends, Kathy and I have been extremely blessed. And it's because God's working behind the scenes. He's pulling strings on your behalf that you don't even know about. And you may never know about them until you get on the other side. So let me tell you, um, lastly, verse 11, again in Ecclesiastes, verse 11. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. God wants you to take action. He wants you to take risks. Let me tell you, this has nothing to do with age. This has nothing to do with intelligence. This has nothing to do with what you have in the way of resources or assets. Because this has to do not just with farming, not just with business, but a lot of times with relationships, with extending yourself to be a friend to somebody. Let me share with you, like Colonel Sanders, a lot of folks realize. Now, although let me tell you, Harlan Sanders was no more a colonel than the Colonel Tom Parker that managed Elvis. He's no more a colonel than Chris Ward is an admiral, okay? but. The truth is, he's 65 years old, 1954, he starts his franchise with the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, they're, they're so well known, they're everywhere. 
and yet he started late in life. And let me tell you about another person who I love. He started late in life too, but it was his second start. It wasn't his first start. His first start, I saw him in the 1968 Olympics on a little black and white tele television. My dad and I watched as he waved his little flag in the middle of the ring in the Olympics and he won the heavyweight gold medal for America. George Foreman. Now, George did phenomenal when he began, but he lost because he got he went to the wrong direction. And the Lord met him after the fight in 1977 when he told God and he was in despair. He actually had went into darkness. He, he thought he died. And he said, I don't care if this is death. I still believe in God. Boom. Right back up. God brought him back. And from that point on, he left the prize ring. And he went out and began teaching the scriptures and the gospel in Houston, Texas. For 10 years he did that. And he had even a boys uh, and, a, and girls um, youth group there in his church. And he ran out of money. And the God told him, now you can go back to boxing. And that is indeed what he did. And in 1994, after he had worked his way up, had a few losses, but he worked his way up, he got a chance to fight Michael Moore for the heavyweight championship of the world. 45 years old. Michael Moore was a southpaw. If you know anything about boxing, southpaws are tough to fight when you're, when you're a right-handed fighter. But they're even tougher when you're 45 and the southpaw's 26, okay? So what happened was, she knocked him out. Late in the fight, he knocked him out. And his example, the night he won, he was on his knees in the ring. It shows this. You can go online and see it. And he was worshiping God. The very next morning, he was in uh, his church in Houston preaching the message. But I wanted to share with you something that he said the world is full of people who want to play it safe. People who have tremendous potential, but never use it. Somewhere deep inside them, they know that they could do more in life, be more, and have more. If only they're willing to take a few risks. Everything I've said to you today is only for the purpose of glorifying God. Nothing I have, nothing I've become, nothing I know is because of my own effort. I have been blessed, been blessed, been blessed by God. I've only got a few more minutes, but I want to share with you. My ancestors came from uh, Prussia at that time was an amalgamation of Germany and Russia uh, on my father's side in the, uh, 1885 and 
I'm not exactly sure where my mother's guide came from, but they started with nothing and settled in Dakotas. And eventually my, my dad and my mom got together. My mom didn't graduate from sixth grade and my dad didn't graduate from eighth grade. And they came out here uh, in 1956. I was four years old. I can still see it. And we got settled in. And then, my went, and then uh, when I was 10 years old, my parents went through a terrible divorce. And me and my two brothers, we ended up with my mom in early 1964 in a trailer park right over here. Now, when you leave out here and you go on Lower Sac, there's a large trailer park on the left, the water side, and on the right, it's a small one, and it was pretty sad. And we lived in a one-bedroom Spartan mobile home. Now, Spartan, in the 40s was an aircraft man, uh, manufacturing company out of Oklahoma. And they made beautiful mobile homes. The one we had was called the Royal Mansion. And it was, must have been in the army uh, camp or something because it was painted an ugly green, drab green. Anyway, I lived there. And I rode around out here and I delivered some papers. And that's in me for starting points. There's your, this is where you started from. And as time went by, and I did, I got what I got and did what I did because of his strength. And I can tell you folks, you can look, I can look back and you can look back too. And you can see the humble beginnings. Where did you come from? Where are you today? How much of more of a future do you have? Considering that, how much more of a future do you have? And all because someone prayed for me, someone sent up a prayer for me, strangers maybe, but somebody prayed for me. And as time went by, Kathy and I got in church and we turned more and more and more over to God just want you to know, I'm not here because of my efforts. I'm here, we're here, because God has blessed us and graced us. And there's nothing more important than those that you can be around that love you, that want to be around you. I've watched interviews of, of billionaires, and they ask them, what's important to you? Billionaires. And they said, my children want to be around me. More important than anything else. So anyway, I'm going to close with just confirming and, and reinforcing the notion. Everything that I've told you and that I've experienced is by the grace of God. And I'm glorifying him about it. And I just wanted to share it with you. So join me in prayer, please. Father, it is... It's wonderful to testify of your great works. And it's wonderful to know that you know 
what's best for us, that you know what we need in the way of wisdom. You know that there are things that we can't comprehend and they're not necessary for us. We're trusting in you. We love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.